Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. You've discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat Podcast. Now, here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to the Insiders, the PowerCat Insiders Podcast brought to you by Blue Mark Energy. I am host Tim Fitzgerald of GoPowerCat.com, joined today by Matt Walters, sideline analyst for the K-State Radio Network and the former tight end Travis Tannehill. Ryan Black is off watching NASCAR. I, I don't know. He, he said he had lots of meetings today. Who who could Ryan Black possibly be meeting with that's more important than the three of us? No. No, that's not happening. Uh, he's just making stuff up. You probably just wanted the day off from the hard questioning he gets on the show. We're sponsored by Blue Mark Energy. Does your company or your employer spend $4,000 or more a year on energy bills? Would you like to reduce those costs by 25% or more and maintain the same level of service and reliability? If so, it's time to speak with Blue Mark Energy. Blue Mark Energy, K-State owned and K-State proud. Well, let's just dive right in, guys. It was just announced that uh, Chris Kleiman has received a contract extension um, that will push him up over $4 million a year eventually through it's running what, Trav, through 2026, we said? 20, yep, 2026. Uh, what are your thoughts on this? Start with you, Travis. I mean, the, the, the timing just seems a little odd for me. I mean, obviously, you know, the nation's in a global pandemic. We're barely limping along a college football season. Money is supposedly, you know, revenue is down from, from all that, from all, from ticket sales, TV TV contracts and everything else. So um, the timing seems a little off, which just tells me that, you know, probably Chris Kleiman's phone was ringing from, from other schools showing interest. So probably uh, I don't think Gene probably brings this to the table proactively. I think this is more probably a reactive move uh, but by, by Gene, so, which is fine. I think uh, you definitely want to keep the guy there. You, you've put enough, um, you know, he's done enough good things and he's put enough foundation in place that you want to, you want to see this thing through for at least four, five, six, four years. Uh, if and when he, he decides to go somewhere else. So um, hopefully we can keep around a lot longer than that as long as he keeps winning. So he's doing a nice job, but just the timing of everything seems a little off for me. So I think that phone must have been ringing uh, for Coach Kleiman, which, uh, you know, if that's the case, then Gene was probably forced his hand a little bit to throw a little more money at him to, to lock him down for the next, what, six years now. Matt, this is always something that uh, I've had some issues with. Uh, a coach in early in his second year of a contract he signed – is doing exactly the type of job you hired him to do. I mean, they didn't hire him to lose or rebuild. You hoped he would get off and running. And granted, winning eight games in your first year is quite a statement, uh, but they're 2-1 and one this season. I just always find this timing so weird. It's right in the middle of the season, and it's a, a lengthy extension that bumps him quite a bit. I don't know. I I couldn't be an AD. I couldn't do this. I'd, I'd say, hey, you're doing great. You're doing the job I hired you to do. Uh, maybe we'll get to a, a pay raise later on, but maybe Trav's right. Maybe someone was calling well, it. Yeah, here, here's 
here's how I look at it. And I look at it a little bit differently. Yeah, it's October, what, October 5, and it's out of the ordinary. But where I will come at it from a different angle is, yeah, he's a football coach, but think about what he has had to deal with since he stepped foot on campus, uh, especially in the last, you know, six to seven months. And granted, all football coaches are, but with, you know, with everything with COVID and, um, you know, the, the turmoil that he and all the other coaches and coaches everywhere have had to deal with, I, I think that fits into it as well. I think it's more than just, you know, he's won eight games last year and he's won two games this year and has beaten Oklahoma yet again. I think there's a little more to it. I'd, it, 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 it wouldn't surprise me if the phone was ringing. Um, it'd be odd thinking that, Chris Kleiman's already getting calls in October from somebody else uh, in another institution, but there are other you know football programs that are obviously struggling right now. So I think it's just in in mass it has to do with the the whole pie. It's not just winning games. And you know, again, Coach Coach Kleiman has told me he said this is the grind of all grinds. I mean, coaches are dealing with stuff they've never had to you know really deal with before. So. Um, He's also said it's a marathon and he has no intention of really looking for another job. And I'd say this kind of seals it up right now. So yeah, you have to have results. Um, they'll have to continue to produce, but you know, I think so far what he's done here is, has been very, very positive on a lot of fronts. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree with all that. I just, um, this is the part of the athletic director business that I'm not a huge fan of having to redo deals that are hardly even been, dented in terms of yeah, the paint's barely dry. Yeah, five five years I think he signed for and now a year and three games in he's on a new contract. That's good and I expect people to come after him. I mean he's been successful and he's not only been successful, he's uh his demeanor is so likable. I mean, you know, there's no way fans are gonna turn back on this hire. Once they meet him, it happened at Kansas State. They were wondering about hiring someone from the FCS level. And then the fans met him and saw him at press conferences. We're like, okay, we're in. Um, I think he is going to be a valuable commodity if Kansas State continues to have winning seasons for programs that are uh, maybe higher profile, honestly, bigger budgets, and wanting to get things back on track. But as long as his AD, Gene Taylor, is here, Trav, I don't expect him to go anywhere. I think they are locked at the hip, and my concern really becomes uh, if Gene Taylor ever leaves, what happens then? Yeah, that is the interesting um, dynamic with these two is they are – they have such a long history together, and they are – you know, they quote-unquote seem to you know kind of be buddies. They're, you know, they're friends along with uh, you know a, a boss-type relationship, which an AD – um, needs to have. So uh, that is unique. You know, I think they're going to, and that's maybe, maybe the phone wasn't ringing. Maybe Gene was just like, Hey, you're doing a great job. I want to pay you as much as I possibly can to keep you around. Um, you know, which is fine as well. So no, I'm with you. I, I yeah, he just dried on his last contract. You, you know, if, if, if eight wins was, was the goal and kind of where we thought he would be, then why are we rewarding a guy for just meet, meeting the threshold? But I also know that, uh, you know, it seems these, these contracts, just they just get bigger and bigger, like NFL quarterbacks and everything else. Every year they get a little bigger than last year. So um, I don't know who, who initiated this conversation, but at the end of the day, to, you know, to contract sign, uh, he, he's getting a little more money and, and, and maybe a little more respect, you know, that comes along with, with more money as you move up the, the ranks of, you know, Big 12 coaching pay. So hopefully it'll continue the, the progress. What worries me is, you know, you know he's, 
he, he's making four million bucks in two or three years, and and they 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 win five games. Um, you know, w- w- what does that put Gene in a tight spot? Does he is he forced to make a move? Does he then get a hot seat? Starts whispering going on. So um, you know, we'll see. I, I you know. Good for, Coach that, this, good for Coach Kleiman in this family. Yeah, you can say that at a lot of places, though. I mean, when when you put an extension in place or when you sign, you know, a coach for for that kind of money, yeah, sure, it's easy to say. What if what if in two years or three years from now he's only winning five ball games? But I I would be surprised, and you guys may differ. I would be surprised if the phone was ringing. I think I don't think Chris Kleiman initiated this. I bet it came more from you know, more from Gene Taylor. Uh, just that's my personal guess. It's only a guess, but I have, I have a hard time thinking that Chris Kleiman walked into Gene Taylor's office and said, Hey, my phone's ringing. What are we going to do about this? I just, I don't see that right now. That's just me. Yeah. But that, yeah. and that goes back to what you'd mentioned about uh, the season being so weird out of sorts and so many other things to deal with. I, I find it hard to believe even if his own agent called and said, Hey, so-and-so will, wants to talk that Chris would even would say, no, not now. I got too much to worry about. So yeah. I, I just think it's, I don't know. Um, we'll see how climate uh, handles this. It was neatly leaked to a national college football writer about two minutes after he left the big 12 teleconference. So uh, he didn't have to answer a question about it. Uh, but uh, he did answer a lot of other questions on the Monday teleconference, including the health of Skylar Thompson Guys, he said he might be available for TCU. I find that uh, maybe more gamesmanship than reality. Uh, But he also said that there was nothing broken on X-Ray Sunday, and that was a really positive sign. Uh, I feel deeply for (laughs) Skylar Thompson. I feel horrible for him. Uh, It's a shortened season. There's not many opportunities to play, um, less opportunities to play, I should say. And to now maybe miss a game, I don't see any way he returns for TCU, uh, particularly with an off week coming next week. And then Kansas, you can get him two weeks of rest, if not three, if you go into Kansas, and then maybe have him back at 100%. But, Matt, this is just a – this is sad that the senior quarterback goes down like this. Yeah, and it was – from the get-go on Saturday, I mean, he and Rico Jeffers were – getting after right away. And I think it started with Rico Jeffers and, and Skyler, you know, held it, tried to hold his own verbally, but he took, he took a couple shots before that one that knocked him out of the ball game. And, you know, Rico Jeffers had a chip on his shoulder and, and at times guys, guys do, but uh, I would, I don't know that I would force the issue. I mean, you've got to do a lot of things to get more on the plate of Will Howard and, and both Chris Kleiman and Will Howard told me Saturday that, Everything was on his plate when he came in at quarterback, but now they've, they've got a lot to get done. Courtney Messingham and Chris Kleiman and so forth. Uh, and Colin Klein for that matter. I mean, Colin was constantly communicating with, um, with Will in that ball game. Um, but I think it's going to be Will Howard and Will Howard for 60 minutes on Saturday. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I wouldn't force the issue, Fitzy, because you need him. It's a long haul. Yeah, and that goes that goes back to the question we talked about earlier. I mean, it's a it's a free year for everybody. So does does this alter Skylar Thompson's thinking in terms of coming back next year? I think it just depends on you know if this is the only game he misses and he can come back, then 
I don't know that he would come back for another year, but uh, just a, just a little more, a little more salt in the recipe, I guess. Yeah, Trav. He his numbers don't look great from the time he played on Saturday, but I kind of felt like that win at OU, which he did last year, but. He, he seemed confident. He seemed in control. And I thought he was on his way to having a big game against Texas Tech. And then he took a shot. And interestingly enough, the shot was to his left side. And he actually appears got injured on the fall because it's his right arm that he landed on his shoulder. So I'm not sure. But, boy, he looked good uh, in the early stages of this game. I was really fired up to see what he could do. Yeah, I mean, his demeanor the whole week, you know, showed – showed a lot of confidence and showed that he was, you know, happy with how he played at OU um, and, and felt good about the game plan going into Texas Tech. And, yeah, I mean, the stat line, 5 for 10 with 33 yards and one touchdown isn't great. But, I mean, he's kind of a – sometimes he can take a little bit to get going. He's kind of a slow starter maybe sometimes. So, kind of gets into that rhythm a little bit um, down the road. And he's kind of a hot and cold quarterback where he'll struggle for two or three drives in a row and then he'll, um, you know, string together seven, eight, nine completions in a row. So, um, yeah, obviously, you know, you're heartbroken when, when you see it happen um, live, live on the field like we did. Um, you know, the, the the fall was not overly violent. For, you know, just him, you know, a lot of times you see a big old guy land and drive his shoulder into the ground. Um, you know, the hit was violent on his on his left shoulder, but the actual drive into the ground really didn't look that bad. So, I, you know, initially I thought, you know, maybe he hit, hit the back of his head, concussion. Um, but then when we saw him come out with that sling, um, obviously a, a, a bum shoulder throwing shoulders so hopefully we'll we'll see you know I, i'm a classic i had terrible shoulders you know multiple ac sprains um which are super painful there's no way you could throw a you know you could definitely not throw a football uh that 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 day once you sprain or tear one um but you know within a week or two that that swelling swelling goes down they can inject those pretty pretty good and numb them up so you know we'll see if you can get out there and play this week um like like matt mentioned but if there's nothing broke, I mean, I thought, shoot, broke his collarbone, need surgery, 12 weeks. Uh, that's kind of where my mind went. So if that's not the case, hopefully it's just an AC spring, which he should be back, hopefully, as long as it's not too severe, should be back, hopefully, within a week or two. Well, was that fall, in your eyes, consistent with an AC spring? I mean, other than, I mean, guys either break their collarbone or they sprain their AC. I mean, that's probably 95% of injuries that happen when you fall on your shoulder. So, um and an AC sprain, you know, a first first degree is hardly nothing. Second degree is degree is, hey, this is going to hurt, and we're going to need some treatment. And then a third degree for a quarterback usually means they're going to need surgery and they're not going to play. So hopefully, other positions you can play through a third degree, but a quarterback on the throwing arm, you can't you can't usually play through that. Sam Bradford had it at OU um, when he was down there. So hopefully, it's that second degree sprain, um, which can be managed through treatment and can be um, you know injected prior to the game to help with some of that that pain management. So. Um, obviously, you know, 100% speculation. Uh, and the only thing I know is that Coach Kleiman said uh, there was no breaks, which uh, usually, you know, it's either a break or an AC spray 95% of the time. So, Next topic, Matt Walters, I was impressed with Will Howard. Was he great? No, but he didn't look like a true freshman in a Big 12 football game that was on the line and suddenly his team fell behind. He's kind of a cool customer, and I like it. I don't know if he they really did make the entire playbook available to him, but uh, I am impressed by the true freshman quarterback. Yeah, he throws for 173 yards and a touchdown. Um, you know, I, I think it could very easily be said the play of the game was his completion to Bradley Moore when Bradley busted it down the sideline right in front of the tech bench because uh, that got K-State going and, 
they had been they had been waiting to I think you know do some do some things with them, but you know it was I was on pins and needles just because when Will Howard came in, you knew that Texas Tech was going to bring the the kitchen sink the entire house, and they did. And on that play, it was a it was a bootleg, and and Will is somewhat fortunate because he should have gotten in the football a lot earlier than he did. Uh, it was not a great pass, but Moore makes a, a good catch and then again scoots down the sideline. But he was calm, cool. He didn't look like he was a you know a typical freshman and flustered and uh, you know deer in the headlights look so to speak. And I was I was impressed. And afterwards, you know he's. He's not a brash guy. It was like, I'm just glad I had my offensive line and made some plays and, you know, kind of gave you a little bit of the aw shucks, here we go stuff. But that's it's kind of what you expect from a kid out of Pennsylvania. Uh, so, you know, kudos to him. But, you know, I, I don't know. I thought as physical as Texas Tech was, what worries me about SM or SMU, what worries me about TCU on the road is if you go back over, let's just say the last five or six years, name me a game where the physical toll taken on Kansas State has been greater. It usually seems to me like it's against TCU. Now, granted, Casey lost three guys this game, but still over the course of time, TCU has always been one of the more black and blue games for K-State to get out of in one piece. And to me, that's a little concern going, going to Fort Worth this weekend. Yeah, the team was pretty beat up on Saturday. You have Wyking Gill with uh, a break, it uh, looked like, and he's gone for the season. Cooper Beebe is day-to-day, as Coach Kleiman said. Joshua Youngblood apparently is in the doghouse or suspended for something because he said he simply wasn't available, and they hope that he's available this week. So I thought that was intriguing. Uh, Travis, before we move on, your thoughts on Will Howard? I mean, yeah, overall, I think you got to be super pleased with how he um... – you know, how he, how he played as a true freshman. I mean, I can't imagine being handed the reins as a, as a true freshman. And I was, I played, I don't know, five to seven snaps as a backup tight end my true freshman year. And um, the game was going really fast and, and you're just kind of surviving out there. So um, overall, super impressed. I mean, you watch him play and what's, what's probably most amazing to me and what I was most impressed with is, you know, a lot of times when you get thrown into the fire, kind of your, your fundamentals go out the window and it's like, you know, your, your footwork kind of struggles and it's just like, Hey, just get the hand the ball off and we'll call it good. And we'll work on the details later. But when you watch his footwork on his drops and his handoffs, I mean, everything was crisp and perfect. So, um, you know, he, he was reading the defense as he should. We saw him, you know, he was licking his chops on that deuce Vaughn uh, when he saw that linebacker. I mean, that's kind of tier two stuff for a quarterback where, you know, it, it needs to be, you know, you need to be making those, those adjustments and, and reads when, when you're a, when you're a big 12 quarterback, but that's, that's pretty impressive for a guy who's just getting thrown in there um, and, and kind of taking it, you know, drink, drinking water through a fire hose. So overall, super impressed. I think Kansas state, whether Scott comes back next year or not, um, you know, in whatever it is, one, two, three years, once Will Howard does get the, the reins handed to him, which is kind of looking how it's going to go. Um, I think Kansas state fans got a lot to look forward to as that kid progresses and matures. Um, he's got everything there and, and it seems like the, um, the fundamentals are there. Just need to get him up to speed on the playbook and, uh, and getting used to this, uh, the speed of the big 12. Matt, that final touchdown Travis just alluded to where the freshman quarterback and the freshman running back gave each other that look you do at the line of scrimmage. Like, or do you see what I'm seeing as a linebacker hopped out to try to cover Deuce Vaughn and they took advantage of it. Uh, not only did they execute the play, they recognized the play 
And that shows me two guys that are pretty comfortable in their surroundings. Advanced young man for freshman. And, and again, it wasn't the greatest pass that he threw to Deuce. I mean, Deuce had to kind of reach behind him uh, and, and snag it, but he got it there and that's what matters. And, and then Deuce Vaughn does the rest. I, I had to laugh after the game, you know, granted the timing Deuce very easily could have gone down before the goal line, but uh, in that situation, I take the points. Don't stop. Just get to the end zone, bump the lead up and just don't even leave any kind of chance for Texas tech. But again, those are two guys that are going to be difference makers and, you know, Travis alluded to when Skyler's gone. I mean, you're going to have a pretty good one-two quarterback punch and Will Howard and Jake Rubley, whoever winds up being the guy as time goes, as good a one-two punch a quarterback as K-State's probably had in a while. But I just, I love Deuce Vaughn. Uh, that kid is, I still don't want to hear people calling him Darren Sproles. Don't do that to him. Let him be Deuce. Let him develop his own persona. Don't throw that weight on his shoulders. But He's handling it all right now, and he's handling it like a champ, and he is already causing nightmares for coaches around the conference. He sure is. And, Trav, uh, Matt alluded to this, um, but I want your thoughts on when you saw Bradley Moore make that catch, turn up the sideline, stay in bounds, and get all the way down inside the 10. As a, as a former tight end, you had to just be loving that. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I mean, Bradley's – been everything as advertised. I mean, we kind of knew a little bit of him coming out of Northern Iowa, but you know, obviously the, the competition's a step up here in the big 12. So, um, but no, when, when he made that catch and just to see these quarterbacks truly, I mean, obviously they're going through their progression, but um, for a long time, I feel like the Kansas state tight ends and even running backs for that matter have kind of been the, the check down the last resort. If no one else is open, we're going to take our little five yards over the ball or five yard swinger out and, and live to play another down where, now it seems like, you know, Coach Mess and this offensive staff, they're, you know, they're using the tight ends, you know, as a threat, as a weapon, which, which probably more has the capabilities to do. So um, the more you do that, the more you find ways to get the ball to him um, and do some like Matt, like Matt mentioned, I mean, Deuce has been nothing but incredibly impressive. I mean, yeah. running backs can have, can have one off hundred yard games. I was still waiting, waiting a little bit, just, all right, this guy's good. But you know, a lot of, a lot of running backs can go off for a hundred yards a couple times a season. And he just happened to do it two, two games in a row. But I mean, we heard that Texas tech staff say they were going to shut down Deuce Vaughn prior to the game. That was their number one focus was they're going to key on Deuce Vaughn and make someone else beat you. And Deuce Vaughn still, still beat them. So um, he's, he's exceptional. Bradley Moore is exceptional because we do need a little more production out of our wide receivers. Because one thing I yeah. think Casey really needs to lock in on is and it's partly incumbent upon the kid you know what you have in harry trotter okay he's not a game breaker but he's your security blanket and you know you think about the drive when case they took it 97 yards uh there in the second quarter and, and skyler had that big run to get first down on third and long it was harry that was in there to block where I'm going with all this is we only saw him for just a smidge on Saturday, and that's Jacardier Wright. You, if you want to talk about thunder and lightning, okay, that's fine. But Jacardier has got to come along. If Kansas State can get a running back that's got some size and is 200 pounds, and you know Jacardier's got the gifts and the talent, I think he's still trying to get everything figured out. Um, mind your p's and q's. But if Kansas State can have that dual threat, and I don't mean quarterback, I mean 
you got a big dude running the ball and that little dude carrying the mail, that's going to make K-State a real, a real load to get ready for every week. So, you know, there, there are two guys that I really want to see pick it up. And that is Jacardier Wright and Malik Knowles. Malik, you got to start being a factor. You're not, you're not catching enough balls. You're not doing enough. You got to make your presence felt. And that, those are two guys fits. And I know I went down a different path maybe, but those two guys have to figure it out and have to become something bigger and better for K-State. Travis, is Malik Knowles suffering from the receiver version of the yips? I don't know if you want to call it that, but I mean, for whatever reason, he's not, he's not getting targeted very often, which means he's probably not getting open. I mean, I think Skyler, um, you know, obviously got knocked out this game, but Skyler's a good enough quarterback. He's getting the ball to open receivers, yeah. but I mean, just overall the receiver room in general, I mean, Malik had one catch, um, you know, Brooks, you know, they only had what five catches from the wide receiver room and that whole entire ball game. I mean, that's not, um, you know, they should be having five catches per drive, um, let alone per game. So that's not, uh, not enough. Uh, you know, obviously they're finding a way to get the ball to, to the running backs and, and the tight ends, but those wide receivers need to step it up because you need to, you know, in this offense, you got to be balanced in the run game, got to be balanced in the pass game. And like Matt said, I mean, yeah, Malik's a guy that, you know, he needs to be catching five balls a game. I mean, there's no excuse for him having one, one, one catch a game, you know, five, five catches, at least one touchdown. I mean, that should be his average. And he's not anywhere close to that right now. This is the Powercat Insiders Podcast. Tim Fitzgerald, Travis Tannehill, and Matt Walters is your crew for the day. We'll be back on the other side with more discussion of K-State's win over Texas Tech. Got a lot more topics to cover. Also, the state of the Big 12 as Oklahoma and Texas both lose on Saturday. The Powercat Podcast will be right back. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. We now send it back to the PowerCat Podcast. Welcome back to the PowerCat Insiders Podcast, part of the gopowercat.com podcast feed on the 24-7 Sports Network. Tim Fitzgerald, Travis Tannehill, the former tight end, and Matt Walters, who works the sideline for K-State Radio. 
and uh, just works. He just works. He does pregame. He does postgame. He drives everyone else home. It's just amazing. And janitor. And, and janitor. Because <laughs> at the end of the day, he's the one who turns out the lights in the radio booth, so he's got to pick up, right? And in the road stadiums, too. I'm the last one out, so I shut the light off everywhere. Blue Mark Energy is a natural gas products and services provider serving feed yards, hospitals, hotels, manufacturers, and school districts throughout the Midwest. And Blue Mark Energy is a natural gas provider for the Kansas State campuses in Manhattan and Salina. Blue Mark Energy, K-State owned and K-State proud. Matt, how were how were your postgame callers on Saturday? They're, they're good. I mean, they're... <laughs> The world loves Deuce Vaughn right now, um, and you know I think there was there was empathy for for Skylar Thompson. I, I tell you, you know we're we're talking about Coach Kleiman's new contract. I had a caller two weeks ago that said I don't think you guys are talking enough about the coaching staff right now. And I thought about I I answered it. And I I said Saturday I don't know that I answered it as well as I could have. But what I said was, you know, after thinking about that question for a week, I really think K-State's coaching speaks for itself right now. I don't think you have to talk a lot about it, whether you are going to talk about Chris Kleiman or Cordy Messingham, who's been around for a long time, or Joe Klanderman, or, you know, I'll say Stan Weber needs a lot of credit right now because (laughs) I, I told him coming out of halftime on Saturday, you know, Fitz, you've been around here a long time. Trav, you played, and you've been around a long time. We've seen a lot of streaks, offensively, defensively, some phenomenal streaks. I've never seen anything else like this. This is one of the most unique streaks that K-State has, blocking the first punt in the first three games of the year, and it's wild. Um, yeah, there are things that K-State can improve at, but I think the coaching staff's doing a, a very nice job, and um, – it's. Uh, I think for the most part, the fan base has got to be happy. You know, think about what K State was three weeks ago, guys, when they lost to Arkansas State. COVID ravaged, injuries, nowhere close to everybody being available. Did you think K State would be where it's at three weeks later? To me, that to me that's enough said. I mean, K State's a hell of a team right now. They they've got their warts. They're not the most talented team in the country, but where they were three weeks ago to where they are now. I don't think you can complain one bit if you're a fan. No, no, it's absolutely been an incredible rebound. And really it was a rebound that happened in the late in the game at Oklahoma. Um, but we we saw K-State score the final 24 points, beat Oklahoma. Oklahoma goes to Iowa State this past weekend and loses late in the game again. Uh, Texas loses at home to TCU, K-State's next opponent. Travis Tannehill. This is a a weird situation for the Big 12. I'm not going to be surprised if Texas beats Oklahoma and OU's 0-3. That would be stunning. But just the fact that they're 0-2 for the first time in forever in conference play really says something about uh, both how competitive this conference can be and Oklahoma is not what they have been the past few years. Overall, this conference, like you said, I mean, from top to bottom, it's uh... – it's as competitive as it's ever been. I mean, this is the conference is wide open. Um, you know, o- OU against Iowa State did not look great again. I mean, I don't know quite what's going on up there. They got are down there. They got all sorts of um, talent. I think they're just you know there's still some young guys out there and they're getting better and improving. And uh, Spencer Rattler has all the talent in the world, but um, for whatever reason he doesn't have that 
that it factor, that clutch gene yet just hasn't quite kicked in, um, which I think will get there in experience. I still think he's going to be um, a heck of a quarterback in this conference. But, um, I mean, really, I mean, if you're a Kansas State fan, you got to be really excited because, I mean, it's from going to Arkansas State, hey, we just lost and we're going to be the laughing stock of, of the conference if we can't even beat Arkansas State to – Holy cows, we're sitting at the top of this conference. And and if we just, you know, win a couple timely games, we got a chance to to win this conference and we're putting ourselves in a pretty good situation. So um, you know, obviously get a little bit ahead of ourselves there. But overall, I mean, you gotta be there's not a single team in this conference that Kansas State, you know, can't compete with and can't show up on a Saturday, play well and win. So you gotta be excited. Um, overall the conference though, I mean, you know, you know, Iowa State looked good, not unbeatable. I know that's kind of who everyone's really up on right now. Um, Brock Purdy looked okay. He should have had about four interceptions that game. He threw up some ducks that um, OU couldn't capitalize on. So um, we'll see. It's, uh, it's going to be an exciting, exciting next few weeks for this Big 12 Conference. Yeah, I agree. Matt, your thoughts as we prepare for Oklahoma, Texas, with two teams coming off a loss? I go back to the fact that Oklahoma just does not have that dude on defense. And you know, for, for as much as people were squawking and, and guys like us were talking about the struggles that Mike Stoops had with his defenses in the last two or three years, Alex Grinch so far has not been able to get out of that defense what, what they'd imagine. And you can just, you can tell his frustration on the sideline for Oklahoma is just sky high. I mean, they've got guys that I don't think are given a hundred percent effort and they're not a good tackling defense. They got all sorts of talent. And then you look at Texas and it's just, to me, it's same story. Second verse for Texas, white collar football, lots of dudes and not everybody's on the same page. I mean, at times to me, it looks like they're in it for themselves. I would love to have a guy like Joseph Osai on my defense. Um, you know, Oklahoma, Texas, lost that because of doing some little things, you know, you got to be careful when you stretch for the goal line, especially in that kind of moment. And Sam Ellinger just hasn't played very well to start the year. So uh, I won't be surprised if either team wins that game. I would give Texas the edge this weekend and boy, how do the covered wagon fans mm. are going to be all sorts of fired up. If Oklahoma is 0-3 to start the conference, which you got to go back to 98, the final last time they were on two. And then 99 was the last time they lost back-to-back -back regular season games. So uh, a little uneasy it is right now down in Norman, America. Yeah, it's crazy. It's absolutely crazy that uh, they're having these kind of issues. Uh, and, Trev, you mentioned it. Spencer Rattler looks good, looks like he's going to be the guy. But he also, to me, looks like a, a quarterback who's had it easy his whole life. He, he, winning's been easy for him because he's always been so much better than everyone else, surrounded by good players. And now that he's faced a couple tough environments, a tough couple tough late-game situations, he really hasn't risen to the occasion. His final throw against Iowa State was a, really an awful decision, throwing it into double coverage. Lincoln Riley was crying for a pass interference he wasn't going to get on that. Uh, and uh, it was picked off. Game over. Iowa State wins. He just is making too many mistakes uh, as the season progresses. Yeah, and especially, you know, coming down the stretch in the fourth quarter. The one thing I will say about him is he threw – I was watching that game live – probably at least three or four beautiful long balls that were drops. Um, so that OU receiving core is not – 
holding up their end of the bar. I mean, like perfect dimes, dropping it in the basket and, you know, big plays or to, and or touchdowns um, that he had some big, big drops that that OU receiving room. So um, I'll give him a little bit of slack on that because he has thrown some, and that's where I think he's going to be exceptional because he's throwing some beautiful balls. It looks effortless. Um, he, he's going to be a really exceptional quarterback. Kind of why I would give Texas maybe the slight edge is, you know, we saw the, the press conference press conference with was it with Ellinger there and he took full responsibility he said you know this fan base deserves better this university deserves better we need to do better and so from the you know the, the we talk about Skyler's leadership ability all the time and I think Sam Ellinger might have that um, we'll see if it reflects you know reflects in his play but I would maybe from what I've seen off the field and kind of body language I would maybe give that slight edge to Ellinger right now um but yeah spencer rattler he, he's playing okay but if you're gonna carry a, an, an average ou team i'd say right now you're, you know you kind of their um their blueprints to outscore the opponent you almost have to play perfect if you're going to be a quarterback at ou and you're just going to outscore opponents like that's kind of been their blueprint in the past k-state kicks off at 3 p.m next saturday in fort worth against tcu texas and oklahoma is that big noon game on fox and of course that kicks off 11 o'clock central it's noon Eastern. It's always about them. Um, and I'm going to be tuned in. I will be very interested to watch that game uh, leading up to Kansas State. I like the 3 p.m. kickoff. Um, and uh, that's kind of my favorite time slot, 2.33 p.m. in there. Matt, getting back to Kansas State, what was your overall evaluation of the defense? They had some issues in the second half, but they got them corrected in time to uh, get an interception and kind of seal the win. Yeah, they seem to be pulling a linebacker out, you know, whether it was Eli or, or maybe more so Justin Hughes, but they'd get a linebacker out of the way. You know, you can go back years and years. You can go back before Chris Kleiman took over. I mean, that's where K-State's been getting whacked was, you know, over the middle of the linebackers. Um, you know, I think they got a couple things figured out and made some plays. And, you know, right now uh, they're not getting – great reviews let's say they're not just blowing things up but I like what the defensive tackles are doing I think it's a step up I like Jalen Pickle and what he's he's been doing um but right now Jerron McPherson is just lighting it up and then you saw TJ Smith with a couple of big hits um I love the way McPherson's playing you know the the call that K-State made on, on um you know the interception that uh Seal it late was was very good with with him coming over the top. But I I said something to Chris Kleiman after the game. Shame on Texas Tech in that position. And, and Travis has been in there, so he may say, "Hey, you're not you're not a player. You don't know." I mean, everybody knew when you saw that single coverage with Basher over there that they were going to go one on one and and throw it up to him because he's six six. Okay, we see that all the time, but. Can you tell me where Texas Tech made its money on Saturday and what they did for the entirety of the ball game? They ran up the middle and they threw slants, they threw slants, and then they threw more slants. And if I'm not mistaken, Texas Tech put up 471 yards of total offense, 267 of it was through the air. Why did you make that call? Why? Just keep going over the middle and you're going to likely get down the field. So, to me, that was a case of big mistake by the Texas Tech offensive coaching staff. That's just me. I yeah. may be wrong, but you, as they say, dance with the one who brung you, and Texas Tech got away from it, and it cost them ultimately. 
Great call by Joe Klanderman. He had um, Jerron McPherson lined up showing blitz, but he dropped back into coverage, confused the quarterback, and was in perfect position uh, to make that catch. Gardner was great with great coverage, too. Uh, he was interfered with by Vasher as he tried to climb over the top of him. They didn't call it, but they probably would have if Vasher had made the catch. Uh, impressive, impressive play by McPherson. He's been so good. Uh, it I just I'm happy for him. I hope he comes back next year for another senior season because he kind of deserves it. Travis T.J. Smith, uh, Elijah Sullivan, two physical football players, both flirted with ejections on Saturday for targeting. On those calls, was it targeting or not in the Travis Tannehill book? I was hoping we were going to bring this up. Um, I mean, I, I – yeah, in my opinion, by the rule book, yeah, those were both targeting and they both should have been um, ejected. In my uh, And from how I understand the rule book and how I understand it, um, I don't think they were overly violent hits. You know, I don't think anyone was at risk of injury. So if there is a little gray and open to, you know, open to interpretation there from, from the referees, then um, I think they maybe, you know, handled it correct. I don't think anyone was trying to take anyone's head off. But um, from what I saw live, I felt like, you know, there was at least – the hard part is it's – I think that what's hard for the fan and myself and referees is when is a runner defenseless or a receiver defenseless? When does that line get crossed? Because if he's defenseless, the rules are, the rules change. And so that that's where the line is hard to draw. Um, and I think that's where obviously the referees saw it in Kansas State favor saying that receiver um, was not defenseless. And uh, But from how I understood the rule, I, I was very shocked that, that both of those were not ejections. Matt? We'll take, we'll take it, though. Yeah. Live, I thought one was, and I thought one was not. And then when you get to see the replay again, then I fully understood why both of them were not. I don't know that there was, uh, you know, I don't know that there was anything missed. And Travis said the key word, and I have to constantly remind myself of that, and that is defenseless. You have to remember that word, and it's so subjective at times. But uh, initially, I thought, one guy was going to be gone, one wasn't. Um, but ultimately, I, I see why both of them wound up staying in the game. They both kind of lowered their helmet, but they didn't lead with the crown as much. They kind of contacted with the, the side of the helmet. Travis, I feel like if after about another five, maybe ten years, we'll have a new generation of football well, players that don't lead with the helmet down, uh, maybe. Uh, it's just – guys have done it their whole lives and now you're asking them to stop doing it. I understand it's hard, but uh, the Sullivan one was the question for me, but the receiver seemed to still be going forward. So I don't think he was defenseless. He was still trying to pick up yardage, even though he's going down um, and the target was moving. His target area moved on him as the, the receiver went down. It's such a split second play. You can't just stop your momentum either. Um, I, I think they actually got it right, uh, but uh, I could have seen it going the other way. I know this, Mr. Smith will have some targeting calls against him in his career because that kid hits like Mario Smith. He lines up and whacks people, and it's just he's fearless, he's fierce, and, man, you got to love it, but you're gonna, he's going to be walking that line all, all of his career, isn't he, Matt? The word is intentional. He is very intentional on getting to the football, and you, you stole my words because after that first hit he laid uh, on Saturday, 
Um, Mario is the first thing that came to mind. So we may have to start calling him MJ because he's not as big as Mario, but he's going to put on a little more weight, but he was very intentional and it, it was fun to see him get after that. And also that adjusts your mindset. When you've got guys like McPherson and, and MJ, why not just start calling him now? Uh, you got those guys on the, you guys, when you have those guys on the back end, whether you're running those slants like Texas Tech did or whatever, you're going to be thinking, you're going to see that on tape all week, and you're going to know some dude's going to be laying a hat on me, and he's not going to think twice about it. But we're, we're probably going to see TJ get an ejection or two at some point in his career. He's just got to got to holster that a little bit, but fun to watch without a doubt. Yeah, he sure is. And, uh, I continue to be impressed by Echo Boydo. I, I mean – this guy just came out of nowhere. He was getting no buzz in camp, and then the opportunity uh, presented itself with all the injuries and COVID things going on with the team to go ahead and play at Oklahoma. Here we are two weeks in, and this guy is a corner. I don't know how, Matt, anyone's going to get him off the field when they come back because I think he's proven himself. He has, and again, K-State has as good a depth right now. When everybody is healthy, K-State's depth is as good as it has been in years. And it's, it's only going to get better. So, you know, he, he's a young man that deserves a lot of credit, without a doubt. You know, we haven't said his name nearly enough, and, and he does deserve that credit. I thought Justin Gardner did a nice job yeah. again on Saturday uh, as well. Um, you, know, you know, guys like Lance, Robin, uh, Lance Robinson and, um, you know, the, the new corner from Minnesota, Kendra Thomas, one, they've got to be concerned for their own playing time, but if they're that right kind of teammate, they know that they've got to work and get that much better once they get back. But I like what uh, I like what I'm seeing at this point. Drive back to the contract that Chris Kleiman got. One of the things he's exceeded my expectations with is recruiting, uh, and the fact that he's not only rebuilding the depth of this program that had been depleted quite a bit. He went out and found guys that step in and play. And that, that's really hard to do, to find three-star players that are capable of getting on the field and playing right away. But, boy, we see it now. And I think we're only scratching the surface with this class. I mean, Carver Willis played a little bit at, at tackle because of Cooper Beebe going out. Uh, there are more guys lined up in this true freshman class, let alone the redshirt freshman class, who can get on the field and make an impact. Recruiting's been huge. Yeah, I mean, I think that – that's why Kansas state was such a good fit for him. I mean, up at, up at North Dakota. I mean, that's who he was. He was having to go find the best guys that didn't get a power five offer. And he had to, he had to filter through that and find the best two and three star guys that he could put a team together, um, which is translates exactly to what Kansas state is. You know, it's, you know, it's, I don't remember exactly what the stat was against OU, but it was a million four and five stars versus all three stars. And, uh, and Kansas state, still still came out on top but what i love what he's doing yes he's built great depth already in a very short amount of time um but i, I just remember which is proof you know kansas state putting up uh, a, a second half comeback against ou putting up 14 points in the fourth quarter um against texas tech is i mean those guys look fresh they look fast um because they now have that depth where and it's even i think it's more of a yes it's depth but too it's a it's a little bit of a coaching philosophy change from the from the snyder staffs where Coach Snyder was, hey, if you're the number one, you're going to be the number one unless you're hurt and uh, and go out there and, and play 70 snaps where Coach Kleiman's like, hey, let's get, you know, if we got two or three guys that are good, we're going to get two or three guys in there. Um, so I like the rotation. I like guys being fresh because it does seem 
um, that they're, you know, they're just faster, have a little more, a little more left at the end of the tank come that fourth quarter, especially on defense. I mean, you have to have depth at defense. Those guys, um, you know, it's offense. You know where you're going. You got, you know, four or five snaps. And a lot of times you're on the backside. I just got to cut this guy off. And I put out some effort, but not a ton. Um, where if you're on defense, it's it's 100% effort for 10 seconds. Every, every single snap, you're chasing the ball. So those defensive guys, you have to have bodies to rotate in there so you can make some stops late in that fourth quarter. The biggest position to keep an eye on for the future on defense and not you know not knowing the recruiting class inside and out, just knowing some bits and pieces, is linebacker. You're going to lose Sullivan and you're going to lose Hughes, most likely. K-State's got to find some dudes to step in at linebacker. I think they're they're pretty good in the other spots. Um, and it's, I still chuckle at how long Hughes and Sullivan have, have been around. Uh, <laughs> I called Eli Sullivan grandpa the other day, and he just started rolling. Uh, and then, you know, you look at Eli Sullivan and Deuce Vaughn, and you got a guy that's like 55 and a guy that's like 15 uh, on the same team. But um, linebacker's the one where there's got to be a big focus on getting a couple of horses that come in at that position. Yeah, Saturday it was striking. We got four players post game on Zoom a redshirt freshman to true freshman, and Eli Sullivan, the six year senior. It would be remarkable if he and Hughes came back as seventh year seniors and work on their PhDs. Then we could call him doctor. (laughs) That would be cool. That's it for this week's edition of the Pyrocat Insiders podcast. Ryan Black, please join us next week. We we love you. We miss you. And uh, we need your Southern drawl to complete this this formula that we have on this show. And our appreciation to Blue Mark Energy, K-State, goes to TCU. Next week, 3 p.m. kickoff, and the Cats are 10-point dogs on the road, probably because of that quarterback situation. We will see what happens. PowerCat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.